0: Hello folks, I'm Brandon Kajoka, and this is Toronto Basketball Matters. We're going to be talking about NBA and a little bit of outside court issues with the sport. And with me, as usual, is the sport medicine man, or whatever the hell you want to sport go Sport doctor. A sport doctor, the PhD in basketball?
1: Physical cultural studies.
0: Whatever he just said. Um, we have a ton of topics we want to discuss today, and we're going to start it off with the NBA resting policy.
1: Controversial topic, Brandon.
0: So Mr. Silver released a memo this week, uh, essentially what he said was decisions of this kind can affect fans and business partners, impact our reputation, and damage the perception of our game. With so much at stake, it is simply not acceptable for governors to be uninvolved or to defer decision-making authority on these matters to others in their organizations. We both have very specific perspectives regarding this issue. I'm going to start off with you, Greg, but I'm also going to bring up one I'm going to bring up a couple quotes here before you start your diatribe as to why or why not players should be resting, okay? I'd like it to be more of a dialogue than a diatribe. Okay, sure. whatever. We'll start off with being a professional is doing the things you love to do on the days you don't feel like doing them. Who Julia said that? Serving, Dr. J. Let's do another one. The real pe- doctor, the re- the real doctor. The people may only get one t- one chance to see you play, so you want to give them your best. Michael Jordan, continue, Greg. Where do you stand on the NBA resting policy?
1: Well, look, far be it from me to disagree with MJ and Doctor J, but I want to play devil's advocate on behalf of one of the parties in this saga, okay? And the way I see it is there are three major parties in this issue obviously there's the NBA players and their union their collective representation okay they're the people that are actually giving these studies forward to the NBA owners and the league saying hey right we need to use resting guys because studies show if we run our athletes into the ground there's an increasing chance of injury okay that's party number one party number two being the owners right the actual owners and the league Okay, so these are the guys that negotiate, right? As to the scheduling and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then of course, there's party number 3, which a lot of people don't really take into account. That being those in the sport media complex. What do I mean by that? I mean the massive conglomeration of advertisers, okay? And sponsors. And of course, The television companies that signed a $24 billion deal with the league to showcase the wonderful sport that we all love.
0: ABC, ESPN, and TNT.
1: I'm talking about the parent company, man. I'm talking about Disney. Okay? People got to understand who really is upset by this. Okay? I'm listening to a broadcast on Saturday. It's an ESPN broadcast. And not surprisingly, not surprisingly, Jeff Van Gundy, who normally I'm in complete agreement with, but Jeff Van Gundy is talking about how this is a bait and switch, it should be a prosecutable offense, Mark Jackson, of course, going along with the coach, I'm going to bring a different perspective. I'm going to bring a different perspective.
0: I think the real question here is, could Daffy Duck guard the pick and roll? Uh,
1: (laughs) Yeah, if he can move his feet if he can move his feet. That's 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 what garden is picking up about. He's, he's a little flat-footed
0: about. for a uh, platypus, sorry. no,
1: cuz if you're flat-footed, <laughs> you can't move your feet. But look, I have a question to you. Because you read that quote, right? The Adam Silver statement. It affects the fans and business partners. But also he mentioned something at the end there, the reputation of our game. So, of course, ESPN broke that story by the way. That quote That's ESPN that breaks that because they're the ones that are really up in arms over this. Okay. Uh, I got a question for you. Did the Cavs not play? Did the Cleveland Cavaliers not show up on Saturday night? Were they not in the building on Saturday night? Did the game not go on? It's it's a rhetorical question. It's a stupid question. Of course the game went on. Then the question becomes, why is it that one player not playing, that player being LeBron James— Causes such an upheaval, such that your repu- the reputation of the league is in jeopardy because one player doesn't play. There are fifteen players on a roster. You have a bench for a reason. Are you telling me that these fans, these apparent fans of the game, okay? Can't enjoy the product on front of them. These are some of the best athletes in the world. These so you're- are some of the best basketball players in the world. Sit there and enjoy your game. I understand people traveled long distances, and I feel for those people. But it's not like the Harlem Globetrotters showed up. You know?
0: See, the conversation you're having right now is from the point of view of a basketball peer, of someone who lives and breathes a sport. What I'm talking about with this issue are the kids, the Fairweather fans, the people who deserve to appreciate the game because they don't follow it on a daily but basis they don't appreciate- on a psychotic level like us. The conversation I'm having with you, and I know it's the most basic conversation to have about this, but the fact of the matter is that little kids are going to these games with the expectation that LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, who have you, what have you, will be suiting up in playing that game. Make no mistake, I about completely it. agree. You're right. I'll watch any basketball game in general. I don't give a flying F if Kay Felder is a point guard and they stress Kyrie Irving. But the fact of the matter is is that is this, okay? Saturday night, the NBA and ESPN have to shuffle so many games around to ensure that the best quality programming is played at eight o'clock on that day. That's okay? their product. Exactly. Okay, Okay. so if they're making all the shuffling and ensuring that on this specific day, on this at eight o'clock, we're gonna have a marquee matchup between Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Okay, business interests. I understand the fact that you're not a fan of ESPN and the $24 billion dollar contract.
1: The the sport uh, industrial complex. Okay, so
0: Greg, let me ask you a question. Would you rather media complex? Okay, so who would you rather win that bid from the NBA contract? Would it rather be Fox Sports, like Fox Sports One? Like, (laughs) what what is your solution to this? Who should have the broadcasting rights for you? Or for basketball, you know.
1: The point is this:
0: No, no, is I want that, you to answer on. that question though.
1: Who? Oh, I, I mean, I wouldn't much. I don't much care for for uh, any of the major corporate backers of the NBA or the major media outlets. I would like to see a truly accessible product where Rogers and Bell don't split up the, the games and, the and put it on right, their networks. ESPN is a twenty four hour sports channel that, you know, that has in a monopoly. Opinion, that has a monopoly over. Marquee games. Now look, but now, so let me ask you then: uh, Do you think, do you think that the NBA suffers from celebrity culture? Because those you talk about the little boy, talk about the little boy who came to the game. Mm-hmm. He's not coming to watch a basketball game. He's coming to watch LeBron. Right. Because he's grown up watching LeBron James in Sprite advertisements. Yeah, because kids aren't
0: growing up being like, you know what? I'm going to be the next Matthew Deladova. No, they want to be the best of the best. They're reaching for their best maximum potential in general. Yeah. I think it's – like I don't understand. We all
1: want to be the best. Okay. Only one person can be the best. Okay? And it's some freak athlete, LeBron James, who got lucky to be born in that body. Sure, he worked hard. Okay? But it's putting this individual up on a pedestal such that we can't even appreciate the other guys going out there and playing their tails off. That arena was dead silent. The only people I heard were the ones that were booing LeBron for sitting. But look, look, if I may, there was a conversation between Isaiah Thomas, the real Isaiah Thomas, okay, and Baron Davis. So
0: I'm assuming the Boston Celtics, Isaiah Thomas, not the guy who completely destroyed the New York Knicks.
1: Right? No, I'm talking about the original.
0: Oh, the guy here in the. The real one. The CBS Okay. Zeke. Uh, okay, thank, thank you, that guy.
1: Okay. And Isaiah Thomas and him got into a bit, him and Baron Davis got into a bit of a back and forth. This was on TNT, okay? And basically, what Isaiah was saying is that, look, this is a business partnership, it's a global partnership between the advertisers, the TV, and the NBA interests, okay? And Baron Davis goes, but what about the player's well being? And Isaiah goes, Well, we can't have it both ways. Are you telling me that we can't work in health and wellness into this issue? That these guys are nothing more than racehorses? Have it. we commodified athletes that badly that the idea of resting them, right? Like, I understand. Look, LeBron, don't sit for primetime games, right? It seemed to me like it was more of a statement, right? To show his power. In the NBA, by the way, he was there with his coffee, and yeah, he did it wrong. But are we at that point now? You know, I got I got to listen to Karl Malone's Twitter feed, if you know, and you know, okay, hey, he's got a point. If you don't have if you don't have ten years of experience, maybe you shouldn't be resting. Okay, but are we at that point now where we can't give these guys a little bit of rest? They're See, not racehorses. I don't I don't
0: wholly disagree with you. Listen. I'm going to bring back the Julius Erwin quote, being a professional is doing the things you love to do on the days you don't feel like doing them. Listen, okay, I agree with you in certain ways, but there's also measurements that you can place to ensure situations like this don't happen, i.e. looking at the schedule with a pragmatic demeanor, like looking at the, the but San But this is the NBA on, players on, telling the schedulers me, that they've made a one, bad schedule. Give me one second, okay? You can take that. I, I have two solutions, okay? Now you have nine. I have two solutions, okay? So look at the San Antonio Spurs, 2012. Uh, game six of an away series. Um, they were on a six-game road trip. On the last day of the road trip, Greg Popovich chose to rest Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, and Tim Duncan, and was correspondingly fined twenty-five thousand dollars. That's ridiculous.
1: I think that's ridiculous. Right.
0: Though. So looking at the schedule, looking at specific dates like that, and allowing a team to rest players would be the most logical solution. The second one for me would do would be. Um, a specific amount of do not plays throughout the season for players who play over twenty five minutes a game. That would be mine. There's a mm-hmm. specific mm-hmm. amount of mm-hmm. uh, chips, I guess you could say, and you cash for those for Kyle Lowry for guys who play for over twenty five minutes per game. That is yeah. my solution to this. But again, going into this, you know, I'm going to bring back the ESPN conversation about this. Okay, I would much rather see a news public or news broadcast station like ESPN. Who, in my opinion, truly captivate the essence of the sport. We I mean, dis- disagree on that, but I'd rather see it on ESPN as opposed to TNT during the halftime show when you have <laughs> all these spectacles like Charles Barkley's insane first takes, Shaqatina fool taking away from the actual <clears throat> game itself. With ESPN, Fair you enough. have actual credited journalists discussing the game, not this whole Fair fun enough. side Fair show enough. associated with the game. I love ESPN, and I always will support ESPN. Maybe they have made some unsavory decisions in the past, but they are. A product I stand behind.
1: So just to quickly then recap here, because you made a really good point bringing up Greg Popovich, who really pioneered this whole idea of resting players. And Jalen Rose actually said this uh, when he was asked about it during, I think uh, it was an ABC halftime report.
0: Halftime host for ESPN, by
1: the way. Okay. And he says, this is a product of a league where teams don't value the regular season. They don't value division titles. What they value is championships. Right. Okay? Now that, to me, comes from American culture and American business. If you're not a winner, if you're not the winner, you're nothing. Okay? So you have these superstar teams getting, you know, players, you know, getting paid 10s, 20 million dollars. And they're there to win a championship or bust. If you don't change that culture, what do you expect teams to do? Hey, they're saving their guys for... The finals. And I'm telling you, LeBron's going to be fresh come playoff time. Well, like I said
0: before, like the diehard fans, they recognize the fact that they're wrestling the players for a bigger given goal.
1: The target is NBA championship. And as a fan, hey, I was hey, I was pissed off too as a fan. I was there waiting to see that matchup. Okay? But I'm trying to show the other side of this thing because I think ESPN has only given you one look at it. And it's the look of the money interests and this huge television contract and the celebrity athlete.
0: see the thing like, like the thing that, that keeps escaping me right now is duty to do your job duty to show up every single day one job put, is to win listen, a championship listen. exactly 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 you're 100% right it's just you know like I, I, I can't overlook the fact of that little kid going up looking forward all week to see their favorite basketball player play and they just get benched they have a DNP they are rested for that day that just breaks my heart that shatters me because I've had that personally happen to me growing up and watching the Raptors with the expectation that a specific player last time it happened was Paul George I brought my little cousin with me to the game and Paul George did not play and my cousin was devastated that kid should be
1: happy that he gets to go
0: to a game you know how many kids can't afford to go to a game Okay, moving on yeah. to a different conversation now. The Toronto Raptors 6-4 in the last 10 on a current three-game winning streak after an embarrassing loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder. I want to start it off right now with a very obscure topic, okay? And I want to talk about Jakob Pudl's performance because the Pacers. He put up 12.7 rebounds in two blocks in limited time. What is your impression of this player so far throughout this season? And where do you see him be? Do you see him becoming a tr- contributing member of this organization moving forward? Or is he just another flash in the pan, high draft pick, will flame out of the NBA or be involved with another organization down the road?
1: Um, I think it's a good question. Uh, I'm of the opinion that he's not even a flashy player to be a flash in the pan. I think he's fundamentally sound. I think he's a uh, contributing player. Let's yeah. Yeah. Play I mean, are you talking about this season or long term? Long term. Okay, long term. Definitely. What should, what should our I plan be, Jakaportal? I think we should develop him. Okay. I think he's an elite athlete. His both his parents were pro- professional volleyball players. Um, he's the first. Whenever you're the first from your country to play in the NBA, you know you're a transcendent talent, right? Uh, I think he needs to work on his offense a bit, but defensively, he's understatedly good right if you watch him he's a little confused sometimes on some other schemes but his one-on-one defensive ability his effort level i think he's a really good young player i was actually surprised when when siakam got so much playing time at the start of the year over him i think that was probably for a bunch of reasons but i see him long term being a good fit i think he's gonna be a pro i think he's gonna be a good pro does that make Valentinus expendable in the future like, you know, look, every player is always expendable to some degree. Like, who are you getting back, right? I don't think the Raptors should trade Valentinus, especially since he shaved his head. I think he looks like a badass. <laughs> okay. But um, look, if the right offer is out there, yeah, sure, he's expendable. Um, and yeah, he might, in a couple of years, he could be a starter on a good team. Should he continue to develop? Second topic I want to bring up, and this is a very
0: concerning issue for myself. Uh, you know, we need to have depth in the playoffs especially. Having guys off the bench that can contribute offensively. You know, we had that in Terrence Ross, who was a fantastic secondary option off the bench. Norman Powell, listen, I, I I don't hate Norman Powell. I think he's a decent basketball player. But my biggest concern his is his three-point play, especially mm-hmm. with the last three games. You know, he has been throwing bricks from the outside. What is your opinion of the Raptors bench? Do you think we have a deep enough bench to compete, to get in the second round even in the playoffs this year?
1: Oh, I I think with a healthy Kyle Lowry, whoever we play in the first round, we're going to beat. As for our bench, yeah, it looks a little shaky right now. That was always going to be the case when Terrence Ross got traded. I think we're one good sixth man away right now from having a championship level contending team. That said, regarding Norman, who a lot of people said, you know, this guy could replace Terrence Ross. Unleash Norman. I think that what they're getting is a heavy dose of reality. Mm -hmm. Um, Look, the guy was always an elite athlete in terms of his ability to slash and get to the rim. The guy was a a track and field star in university. And you see that in his game. I don't know a player, you know, maybe Russell Westbrook, who's faster with the ball. Like in five, five steps with the ball. So is his skill set redundant with
0: DeRozan on the court?
1: Yeah, we and and Corey Joseph. We we have a lot of, of of good athletic players, but we lack outside shooting. That being said, Norm is streaky. Norm is streaky, and when he's on, right, he can drop over twenty points on you at the NBA level. We've seen it before, uh, and and he's a really hard-nosed, hard-working defender, and that's what that's why he gets his playing time, right? That's why Casey likes him. That's what our team is now built around.
0: So talking about the Raptors, um, next year realistically, most projection, like the latest projection, essentially is stated that the salary cap will salary cap, salary cap will grow to 102 million dollars next season. Looking at the ro- the roster of the Raptors and the free agents right now, you know, looking at guys like you know Serge Ibaka, Patrick Patterson, PJ Tucker, who are all unrestricted free agents. Also, looking at the fact that Kyle Lowry has a twelve million dollar player option, which he will most likely decline. What are our options considering we're paying Damari Carroll fourteen point eight million dollars, we're paying Corey Joseph seven point six million dollars, we're paying Valanciunas fifteen point four million dollars. If you were Masai Ujiri,
1: who do you pick and who do you let go? Far be it from me ever put myself (laughs) in the mind of that wizard, Messiah Jiri. But I think if, you know, the players you listed, the one that's expendable most is Patrick Patterson. He's inconsistent. Um, He's a great defender. He's a good team guy, all that. But you know what, man? You're a stretch four that can't stretch. Right. Um, At least consistently. Mind you, that he played great the other day against the Bulls, Mm -hmm. uh, which I'd like to talk about in a second. But you know what? If they got to, you know, dip into the luxury cap, right? MLS, he's got a lot of money. I think you got to, you got to keep Ibaka. You got to keep Lowry. I don't know if you can get better players than that to commit to Toronto. And I think Ibaka will want to commit.
0: Okay, so let's say a $102 million salary cap. Let's say a luxury tax of, I don't know, one let us say. Okay, throwing that number out there. We're currently at $88 million next se- season. We lose a $12 million off cal lowry that drops down to 76 million how much does cal lowry make let's say 30 million dollars we're up to 106 already he might have
1: to take less than the max
0: okay let's say we're at 101 yeah okay (laughs) we got a baca at 20 that's 121 we're letting go of patterson we're keeping tucker at like what eight nine that's 129 we are already nine million dollars seven million dollars over the luxury tax Someone's got to go, unfortunately, and I, didn't I think, even say Patrick Patterson resigned in this conversation. I you think
1: know. you know if someone is willing to take on Demari Carroll's contract is who what you is have gonna, to do. Who's going
0: to take over that contract? You, you know, demari work- Carroll is known as a defensive specialist, making fourteen point eight million dollars. Being a defensive specialist, who I is think, he guarding? I, what is he? What What is he contributing to this organization? That's my frustration right there.
1: Yeah, I think with, with Tucker now on the Raptors, you can re-sign him for much less. Uh, and hopefully, you know, maybe you could work something out w- w- with a team where you swap players and then you let him go, right? Uh, or or you take on some of that burden of, of, of payment. I would consider trading next year's first round pick and Amari Carroll to get below the luxury tax. Yeah, we could do something like that. Like, there's lots of things I'm sure that Masai could do. But you need to have um, Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, and Serge Ibaka next year if you want to compete. Because if you're adding another piece, it, like Kyle Lowry is the heart of the team. You can't let him walk. If you let him walk, you might as well rebuild. You know, with uh, you got to go a completely different direction. Obviously, they've already signed DeRozan long term, and I think that that Lowry wants to stay. Right. And I think Ibaka wants to to be in Toronto. If he knows what's good for him, I think this is the perfect fit for Ibaka. He gets to be that third option that he wasn't really allowed to be in Oklahoma City because he's playing with two ball hogs. Right Now you're on a team where, yeah, you got two main dogs that can score and want to score, but they can't score at the elite level needed to win a championship. They need help. Serge Ibaka's the help. Serge, please stay. Please Serge. Sorry, you know what? My girlfriend gets on me about this. Sarge. the Sarge? Sarge Abaka. Sarge Abaka? Serge. The Serge? It's Serge Ibaka. Serge Ibaka. S-E-R-G-E. The last
0: uh, thing I want to talk about the Raptors is obviously the playoff race. Close to the playoffs. We're a game behind Washington right now. If the playoffs started today, we would obviously be playing the Atlanta, Atlanta Hawks. Who would you rather play? The, the Atlanta Hawks or the Milwaukee Bucks, interchangeable between Washington and Toronto? Should we Doesn't, matter. Doesn't matter.
1: Doesn't matter to you? Doesn't matter. It, it shouldn't matter if you're the Raptors. Uh, home court advantage, you've beaten those teams. I mean, I, I, I guess Atlanta scares me more because Dwight Howard uh, is such a nightmare sometimes down low that a player like that could change a whole series, but I don't think that he has enough anymore to really uh, to scare us.
0: What do you think about Giannis, though? Do you think we have anyone on the team that can kind of, like, restrain He's Giannis? He's unproven.
1: He's unproven. It
0: doesn't matter, man. The guy is such a physical monster. I don't think there's a single guy with the exception. In my maybe experience a Bogdan that can with the him.
1: NBA, you've got to lose to win. Right. And Giannis hasn't gotten in the playoffs yet and hasn't had the burden of even playing in the playoffs, let alone knocking out a higher-seeded team. I really, with a healthy Kyle Lowry, with how good the team is playing, I really don't see – Anyone beating us that were ranked higher than um,
0: the last thing I want to bring up actually about the Raptors is their a uh, little bit of a win over the Chicago Bulls. I think what we dropped eleven games win. in a row. Eleven in a row. They haven't beat
1: the Bulls <laughs> in three years. Why is that, Greg? And why did we win this game? I think it, I think they had a psychological hold on us. I think that they were the num- they were the contender for so many years, and we came along. We were knocking on that door, right? They were the contender back in the Thibodeau era. We were knocking on that door, right? We're right there. We couldn't quite get over the hump. I think playing in Chicago was quite intimidating. Uh, I also think their best player guards better than our best player and has a size advantage on him. Mm-hmm. And there's something psychological when your best player is guarding and outperforming the other team's best player. Right. So, And, of course, I'm talking about Butler on DeRozan. Three long years <laughs> <laughs> I've waited for this moment. Finally, you know who I credit? Jesus, S- never base god Serge Ibaka. Serge Ibaka, it finally t- we were down. Serge Ibaka, I apologize. There we go. Don't butcher we were funny. down 16 points at home to the Bulls, and it looked like it was same old, same old. All of a sudden, a little elbow. A ball gets slapped, punches are thrown, caveman-looking Robin Lopez decided to stick his head in with Ibaka, ended up taking one right on the temple for it. Thank God for DeRozan, though. He just grabbed that guy, and pulled you, him on reverse and guard, you know and what? took him That's out of that situation. How you, and, and when that happened, I was, you know, first of all, I loved Matt Devlin and Jack Armstrong just freaking out. Matt Devlin calling the bump. On 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 uh, Lopez's temple, right, right. Actually pointing it out and saying like that 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 Ibaka connected. But yeah, DeRozan heard sort of like tackles down from behind. It looks like he's had some practice. You know doing what I'm that? really thankful for in that situation? I'm thankful
0: that the Chicago Bulls traded Taj Gibson because I think we would all be fucked in that situation. And Noah and Taj Gibson was there.
1: You know what? Gibson but, literally
0: looks like the scariest
1: man in the NBA. But I'm that's the difference <laughs> now, right? But that's the difference. And yeah, Gibson's Gibson is one of the reasons why we've lost to them so much. Look, the Raptors at some point, psychologically, something snapped in them. Look, we were down by 16 in the middle of the third. From that fight onwards, it was 50-32 to 32 we outscored them. And look, I'm not a proponent of violence in sport. I don't even like fighting in hockey, okay? But sometimes with the physical nature of sport, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You pray no one gets hurt. And sometimes, okay, when a team's beat you for three years in a row, you get a little frustrated. This happens. And you know what? It turned the game around. And it, and it, um, it really revved up guys like PJ Tucker, who I just cannot say enough good things about we have a little of a treat for you guys next week regarding pj tucker and maybe some of the our favorite
0: rappers of all time
1: for the two people listening we will do a countdown on mine and brandon's greatest raptors of all time it's happening guys okay so i'm going to finish this
0: podcast with a couple hypothetical questions for you greg is that cool with you i love it let's go okay so we're going to start it off with one okay very close race for rookie of the year. Joel Embiid obviously can't be rookie of the year. He's only played a handful of games. Same thing with Yogi Ferrell. So it I comes agree. down to a few Yogi guys. Farrell. why would in this why conversation? Would he be in because he's letting it up right now. He in should year. be in, in conversation for yeah, rookie okay. of the year. Okay, okay, right. okay. So the first guy I want to bring up is Dario Saric, the Croatian's finest, averaging 12 points per game, um, to, with uh six rebounds per game as well. How do you feel about Darius Arch? What do you think he is as a player? Is he a point forward? Is he gonna be a center, a power forward? Do you think he deserves a rookie He's of the he's,
1: he's he's not a center or a power forward. You're right, he's a point forward. I think that's the best way to look at what he can do. Uh yeah, I guess you gotta give it to him. The rookie class has been god awful. Uh but yeah, hey, he's helped Philadelphia get wins. And you're right, and uh Embiid can't get it. He hasn't played enough, and he's not a rookie anymore.
0: I'm going to pause you for a sec. I heard something really interesting today um, on the Ringer podcast by a great bass player named Kevin Connor, and he was mentioning the fact that this isn't necessarily a bad draft. It's a draft of role players, guys who are going to contribute on the professional level. You're not going to have that number one marquee identifiable player, but you can look at this draft, you can see the gradual evolution the players drafted and the guys who are not going to be focal points on offense but are definitely going to be contributing members to any organization. Yeah, I mean, you could say that, but Brandon Ingram's played awful. Okay, so continuing in this conversation. Inju- okay. Number 2 for me is Malcolm Brogdon on the Milwaukee Bucks. Malcolm Brogdon averaging 10 points per game, four rebounds, has averaged about 30% of the games he's uh, 30% of the games he's played this year he started for the Bucks. What do you think about Malcolm Brogdon? 30% of the games he started, 10 points per game. Do you think he's just getting PT because there's essentially no one on that team to play point guard with the exception of Del Dova? Do you think his numbers are inflated because he gets to play with guys like Giannis, um, Middleton, Jabari Parker? What, what do you? What is Malcolm Brogdon's value as a player? Does he deserve Rookie
1: of the Year? This I really haven't player. watched him play enough. Right. And if I haven't watched him play enough... I don't know. It's a clear sign was, that, he's that he's that he's okay, that he's okay. okay. shit.
0: <laughs> Continuing this conversation, Buddy <laughs> Heald averaging nine point seven points per game, one point three hey, rebounds, and three assists. There's a rookie. But since after, after he got traded to the Sacramento Kings in the uh, DeMarcus Cousins trade, he has been averaging fourteen point five points per game. He's shooting five hundred, and he has a three point field goal percentage of four eighty two. Yeah, I think
1: it's between him and. Uh... Your boy there, Sarich.
0: What about you, Mr. Toronto Basketball? No love for your man, Jamal Murray?
1: Oh, Jamal. You know what? He's done a fantastic job in Denver. I can't believe we forgot about him. That's it. It's Jamal Murray. you Jamal yeah, Murray? You got to, man. This is Toronto basketball matters.
0: I'm going with Dario Sarich. <laughs> just going to throw it in there. He's
1: played really good. Sarich has played really
0: good. Okay, moving on here. So if someone today offered you combination of John Wall, Bradley Beal, and Otto Porter Jr. throwing you back in Messiah's shoes for a package of Lowry, DeRozan, and Damari Carroll. Do you take
1: that trade? I don't because I believe in What? I don't because- <laughs> you, you
0: got to clear Damari's contract off the-
1: Look, look. <laughs> oh my God. I believe in building right, a culture, and you can't do that when you trade out someone for a little bit Better town. We're
0: not taking multiple pieces from other organizations. Uh, We're taking the three trade, best players. I would from... trade
1: Lowry or or DeRozan. I mean, maybe if you offered, if you know, what offer me Steph Curry and Durant, I'll make the trade. But like those two aren't any more proven than Demar. All and... the Depot and Russell Westbrook
0: for Kyle Lowry and Demar DeRozan.
1: Yeah, that I might do. Westbrook, <laughs> Westbrook.
0: eat your words, Sport Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Anything to sign Russell Westbrook. All right, continuing the same conversation. Robin Lopez in a top 15 draft pick him for, for Jonas Valanciunas. I wouldn't trade him for a ham sandwich. You wouldn't, tra- you wouldn't take Lopez in a top 15 Never. for Valanciunas. You're delusional, Greg. I think you are a homer way too much for Jonas Valanciunas. He's a poor man, Steven Adams. Who? Your boy there. Robin Lopez? Yeah, the guy that took it on the temple last night. Steven, oh my God. Steve Adams is a fantastic basketball player. Yeah, he's a poor man, Steven Adams.
1: Look, he's a hustler. Valanchunas has skill, man. Top 15 pick. Robin
0: Lopez doesn't have skill. Top 15 pick. Valanchunas is redundant with Ibaka, especially with the whole salary cap fiasco. Hey, what have you done for me? We talked about
1: earlier. Moving on. Maybe for a tuna sandwich.
0: For for a tuna sandwich. Uh. Well, I'm allergic to tuna, so I'm not (laughs) taking that goddamn sandwich. So moving on. Robin Lopez. Who
1: do you value more as a player, Avery Bradley or Bradley Beal? Oh, Bradley Beal is an incredible offensive player. I really think he's great. I think more than Wall, I think he did us in in that playoff series. He's really good. Uh, Avery Bradley plays for the Boston Celtics, and I don't care much for that
0: team. I 100% disagree with you for taking Bradley Beal in this conversation. Bradley Beal is a fantastic player. Make no mistake about it. he's a little soft. But having a two-guard like Avery Bradley, who can guard multiple positions, who can also facilitate the offensive point guard, who can also shoot the ball. Avery Bradley is, in my opinion, one of the most undervalued commodities in the NBA. You don't see too many guys like that, selfless, role-playing guys who have the capability of putting up points but are you know, yeah, more, no, more you're focused right. on I guarding think depends, the other team's best player. Look, I
1: think it depends on who else you have around you. I think Bradley Beal can be a top scorer on a decent team. Uh, but yeah, from an overall like defense perspective, probably effort level, Avery Bradley's a better role player.
0: Okay, moving on. Who do you take? Prime, Brandon Roy, or current, Jimmy Butler.
1: Oh. Oh! (laughs) Wait. (laughs) Knowing what I know now, that that Brandon Roy is is temporary? No, no, no. Okay. Or assuming his longevity. You get full Brandon Roy. You You get get full full, full, full Jimmy. Jimmy Butler, who do you take? Brandon Roy was the truth in his prime. Thank you. Oh. (laughs) Jimmy Butler pisses me off. Brandon Roy. See, Brendan Roy strikes me as a naturally God-gifted,
0: talented basketball player. Jimmy Butler strikes me as a blue-collar. I worked my ass off my entire no. life to
1: get to the point where I'm at right as now. As a Toronto Raptors player. fan, having had my heart ripped out by Jimmy Butler on numerous occasions. Eleven occasions, occasions right? Yeah, I'm torn because on the one hand, I know he's an amazing player. But on the other hand, I've developed this like resentment towards him. I was so happy to see P.J. Tucker just manhandle him at the end of the last game. Shout out to P.J., Moving on, we might make an l- appearance on our list next week. I'm just giving a hint.
0: Not, he won't be speaking to us because we're not quite at that level yet. He will be speaking to us in the future, though, right? Uh, uh, uh. I would love, I would love to have PJ Tucker. On Hollow optimism. Podcast. Woo. Okay, second last question. I like these. Who do you, who would you rather own, the Brooklyn Nets or the New York Knicks? Oh. Oh, but
1: but listen, listen. Keep in mind, Brooklyn, no draft picks. New York Knicks, your owner's James Dolan. Yeah. Uh, Wait, but I own them. The owner's not James Dolan if I'm owning them. Okay, uh, the, the GM. Knicks, the GM. Knicks are worth let more, me, let the me are worth re, Let money. me restate this question because I touched it. You were the GM for both of those organizations. Oh, I would love to work under the Zen Master. I would love to work under Phil Jackson. If he's still working there. Yeah, he might not be there after July 1st. Hey, the Knicks are going to get a lottery pick, man. They're going to do away with, 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 with Derrick Rose, and they're going to pick your boy. Markel Fultz. That's
0: the one. Oh, my God. They're not going to get a top three pick. See, you know what the most insane thing about this draft is the Los Angeles Lakers draft situation because they currently, right now, if they don't fall in the top three of the lottery, they not only have to give the Philadelphia 76ers their first-round pick this year, they also have to give their 2019 first-round pick to the 76ers. Hence the tank job by the Lakers right now. Yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ. Last question I have for you today, and we'll end it on this, guys. What is the best basketball city
1: in the world? The basketball mecca of planet Earth, let's say. I know New York likes to say it's theirs, right? They like to call themselves the basketball mecca. Uh, They've only had one championship team, I think, since the NBA amalgamated itself with the ABA, right? I think in the 70s, they won one. The best basketball city in the world.
0: You're thinking too hard about this.
1: What do you think the best basketball city Toronto
0: in the world
1: Raptors, is? Toronto, Toronto. Toronto. Toronto Raptors. Toronto. Toronto Raptors. I'm going to say the Raptors. I'm a homer. Of, it's a, I'm going to say Toronto because, not because of the Raptors, but because of the Huskies. I'm going to say Toronto
0: because this the, podcast is for Toronto basketball fans. It's not for anyone else in general. We're sitting here. Because we're fans of Toronto Raptors basketball. We're a fan of the and NBA, I'm but you, above
1: that, we're Toronto Raptors hey, fans. the first professional game was between the Knickerbockers and the Huskies in Maple Leaf Gardens. James Naismith. What country was he from again? Canada. And with that, we're out.